0: Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us. That means if you've never been to church, if you walked away from church, or have struggled to find a church home, we were started for you. For more information about Collective and how to join us on a Sunday morning, please head to www.mycollective.church. So I grew up in Sterling, Virginia, which is a small suburb about 45 minutes south of here in Loudoun County. And when I was a kid, Loudoun County wasn't fully developed yet. It was a lot like Frederick, where you could drive about 10 minutes and you'd be surrounded by farms and country. Ashburn and Lansdowne, if you even know what those places are, they weren't even places growing up. It was Sterling, then Farms, and then Leesburg. And One afternoon, my brother and I were at a friend's house hanging out and throwing ninja stars into the ceiling. The Ninja Stars part isn't actually important. I just think it's cool to add to that story. But as we were throwing Ninja Stars into the ceiling, our neighbor began to tell us about a housing development a few blocks away that had a huge tunnel in it that he wanted to explore. So we hopped on our bikes and rode out to the tunnel, and he was right. It was huge. It was at least four or five feet in diameter, and it was pitch black with no end in sight. And so we stepped in, and we started to explore. Side note, at this point in my life, I hadn't watched it yet, so I didn't have like a healthy fear of sewers. Another side note, I was probably eight or nine years old, and so don't judge my parents. It was the early 90s. It was a very different time for kids. And so as we ventured through the tunnels, we realized that we were walking through a sewer system that was created for water runoff of the creeks in our city, and as we walked deeper and deeper into the tunnels, the only thing we could see were the small dots of light sneaking through the sewer lids, and the only thing we could hear was the rumbling of cars that were driving above us. After walking through the tunnels for about an hour, we actually came to the other side of a giant opening that fed into a creek along Church Road. And this was the first time we truly knew where we were. Everything else as we kind of navigated this was just a mystery. And when we got out of the tunnel, we realized that we were two miles away from my house. Not only were we two miles away, we also somehow managed to go under the main road that goes through Sterling, which is called Sterling Boulevard, and we began to panic. And instead of heading toward the surface level to head home, we actually turned back into the tunnels. But right before I got into the tunnel, I actually lost my footing and fell face first into the creek bed. I was drenched by dirty creek water, covered in mud, maybe poop as well, I don't know, I'm just being honest with you. And this is when we realized that the situation just got real. And see, our mom thought we were at our neighbor's house, but now she would know that that wasn't true because I was covered in mud. And there was no way we could tell her that we weren't actually hanging out with our friends, but instead we were running through the tunnels and sewer system underneath Sterling. We'd be grounded for life, or at least she'd consider giving me up for adoption. I don't know. Either way, I started to cry because I figured that my life was over. So the whole way back, my brother is leading the way. I'm bawling my eyes out. I'm full of shame because I broke the rules. I'm afraid that my mom is going to ground me forever, and I didn't want to go home. At one point, I tried to convince my brother just to leave me and let me live in the sewers. Right? I'd seen plenty of Ninja Turtles at that point in my life, so I figured I could make it. Like, how hard could it be? I love pizza. I'm not really afraid of rats. I needed to learn karate, but I figured that I could make it work. And the reality was I didn't want to go back. I was afraid to go home. Today, we're celebrating Easter, and like Maggie said, we're just so glad that you're with us today. And I know that there are a ton of reasons that you're in church today, and some of you are here because your mom asked you or nagged you to come to Easter service and then family dinner afterwards, and you didn't want to cause a scene because you love your mom, and so that's why you showed up. Some of you are here because you've tried God, but you didn't feel like it was working, so you've essentially given up on him, and you've given him one last chance. Some of you are mad at God because he let that thing happen, and you're searching for answers. Some of you are here, and you don't really ever think about God, but she invited you to church, and you think she's hot, so you said, yeah, whatever, girl. But no matter why you're here, I think there's a small part of each of us That thinks maybe it's possible we'll find something that will make our life just a little bit better. Maybe I'll find joy. Maybe I'll find a fresh start. Maybe I'll find hope. If that's you, you came to the right place today because here's who today is for. Today is for the person who told God they hated him and would never trust him again. Today's for the husband who's been pushing his wife further and further away because he's ashamed of his past. Today's for the wife who's emotionally connecting with someone other than her husband. Today's for the dad who's struggling with his relationship with his kids because he's realized that he isn't as present as he needs to be. Today's for the addict who's afraid to come clean. Today's for the student who's walking down a path that they know is wrong, but they're not sure how to turn back. Today is for the person who finds yourself apathetic and the person who worries constantly and the person who gets angry over little things that don't really matter. And today is for anyone who's afraid to turn toward God or turn back to God and come home. And you're afraid because you messed up. You didn't do what you said you would do. You lied. You hurt people or someone hurt you. Whatever it is, the idea of coming home is unfathomable. If you feel that way today, it's good that you're here because we want you to know that it's not too late to turn back, to head home, to run toward God. Today is all about the hope that God offers. It's all about the freedom that God promises. It's all about second chances. This is why Easter matters. Easter is the biggest Christian holiday because Easter is the day on which all of our hopes are pinned. Easter is the day we celebrate Jesus rising from the dead. A few years ago, the Washington Post had an article that said, Save Jesus, Leave Out Easter. And the author argued that there are great teachings by Jesus, but they get clouded by this thing called the resurrection that just seems crazy. And so if we could just set aside the the, the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, we could see his great teachings for what they are. But here's the problem with that. If Jesus didn't really rise from the dead, there is no reason to listen to his teachings. See, the reason we as Christians read the Bible and listen to the teachings of Jesus isn't because we think they sound nice or because someone older than us told us to do it. The reason we listen to Jesus and trust his word is because he rose from the grave. It's because he conquered death that we believe his promises. So let me tell you up front, I'm actually not going to go into the reasons we believe Jesus rose from the grave today. We don't have time for that. But a little over a year ago, I preached a sermon that was all about the facts surrounding the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It's called God for the Unbeliever. If you're interested, you can find it on YouTube or you can find it on Spotify. You just have to search My Collective Church. What we're going to do today is we're actually going to walk through a story from the Bible that Jesus taught. It's called the Prodigal Son, and it's one of Jesus' most famous teachings. And the reason why we're doing this is because we believe that what Jesus says in this story is true because we believe he rose from the dead, just like he promised. And this is how the story starts in Luke 15. It says this, Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Now, let me sum this up. Messed up, imperfect, broken people came to listen to Jesus teach because they were longing for hope. Does that sound familiar? And a group of self righteous religious people complained that Jesus was hanging out with these misfits. And so Jesus clapped back. Jesus responded to the complaint by telling three parables. And parables are stories with a spiritual lesson. And he does this in order to explain why he hangs out with broken people. So he shares three stories. He says, this is why I hang out with these types of people. These are my people. This is why. But more importantly, he shares these parables to explain the character of God. And so this is the third story that he told the prodigal son, starting in Luke 15, verse 11. A man had two sons The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. And so the son is essentially telling his father, I wish you were dead. My life would be better if you would just die so I can take my money and move on. And for some reason, the father doesn't fight him. For some reason, the father doesn't punish him. The father doesn't write him out of the will. It's his money. He doesn't have to give it to him. But instead, the father actually does what the son asks. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. Now, this phrase wild living means a lifestyle that's utterly and shamelessly immoral, completely and extravagantly broken down. That is the life that he chose. To be honest, he chose a life of sin. And the word sin is actually an archery term. It means to miss the mark. And so he missed the mark of what God wanted for his life. He missed the mark of what his father wanted for his life. He turned away from his father. He turned away from God. And he chose wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Here's the moment of this story where we realize that this man is at rock bottom, not just because he was out of money, not just because he was homeless, not just because he was hungry, but also because religiously he was Jewish. And Jewish people don't eat pork or even get around pigs because Jewish people believe that pork is unclean. So now that he's in that pen, he would be labeled as unclean. Like he has now broke that code. And so for him, this is the lowest that he could get. He was in a pigsty looking at the pig's food, thinking they've got it better than he does. This is his rock bottom. This is where his life led him. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as your hired servant. At the beginning, I mentioned a couple of groups that show up for Easter, but there's another group that goes kind of like this. You're plugged into church once upon a time, and more importantly, you are connected to Jesus. And maybe it was with this church, maybe it was somewhere else years ago. And things were going well for you. You were following God, but then you screwed up again. Or maybe it was a series of screw-ups. And you said, you know what? God doesn't want me anymore. You said, I've messed it up all the way, so you just walked away. You hit rock bottom. And maybe you're in that place right now. And you're afraid to turn back to God because you aren't sure he still loves you. You aren't sure that he still wants you. But you've also realized that you don't know what else to do or where else to go, and so you're here. You're here and you're afraid of God's response, afraid of the church's response. You've screwed it all up and you don't know what to do. actually it reminds me of a guy that used to go to Collective. There was a guy who came here over a year ago and he got plugged in. He was getting clean. Things were going well for him. He got baptized and his whole family drove into Frederick to see it happen. He started serving and building community here, but then he disappeared. And for a few months, no one could find him. And eventually, I saw that he actually popped back up on Facebook, so I reached out. And because it's Facebook, I can actually see that he saw my message but wasn't responding, so I messaged him again. And finally, we started to talk, and he told me that he got kicked out of the sober house he was in because he relapsed and then lied about it. And then he lost his license. And then he started dating a girl, but she was bad news, and he ended up getting in some trouble. And so when we were talking, he told me that he didn't have a job. He was homeless as he was waiting for another bed to open up in a sober house in Frederick, and he didn't know what to do, and he didn't know where to go. And he continued to tell me that because of that, he didn't know if God would even want him back because of how much he messed up. He was afraid to turn back to God. He was covered in mud. He was in the pigsty. He was at rock bottom, afraid to come home. And some of you are in that place. You're afraid to come home. And that's the prodigal son, He realized that his life wasn't what he wanted it to be. He realized his life wasn't what he hoped it would be. He was at rock bottom. And you can just imagine him staring off in the distance, wondering if he can return back, wondering if his father would respond joyfully or angrily, if his father would disown him or kick him out or even let him walk onto his property because there's nowhere else to go he starts walking home and I just imagine that the whole time he's walking he's rehearsing that speech he's saying dad I've sinned against heaven and against you I'm no longer worthy to be called your son make me like one of your hired servants and the whole way back that's what he's hoping that's the best case scenario for him but then this is what happens when he approaches his home so he returned home to his father and while he was still a long way off his father saw him coming This is a beautiful picture, right? It's the picture of a father waiting hopefully for his son to come home. It's the picture of forgiveness. It's the picture of second chances. His father was waiting for him. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to being called your son. But his dad cuts him off. He won't even let him finish. Can you imagine? how that felt for him. After wishing his father dead, after ruining his own life, after being afraid to come back home, they embrace. And then his father says this. His father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. He says, we're gonna party. For the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost. But now he is found, so the party began. People struggle with this story. In fact, if you continue to read on, his own brother struggles with this. But people struggle with this story because they think the son needed to be punished for his mistakes. And some of you, uh, when you read this story, you hear the story, you feel like this is your story. You feel like you need to be punished for your mess and for your brokenness. Maybe someone even told you that at some point. But realistically, what you need is grace. Yes, you have screwed up your life royally again, but what you need is grace again. What you need is a second chance again. You need Jesus again. So even if you're full of shame, this is the place you need to be because this is a place where you're going to get what you need, which is grace. Philip Yancey says it this way. He says, there is nothing you can do to make God love you more, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. Ever. That's grace. So in Jesus, you can be washed clean. And Jesus, you can be made new. And Jesus, you have a fresh start and another fresh start and another fresh start after that. That means it doesn't matter why you gave up on God, why you're mad at God, or why you never gave God a shot. Jesus is saying this Easter, I want to give you new life. No screw-up is too big. No sin is too gross. No mistake is unforgivable. No person is unredeemable. Nothing. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. That's why the message of Easter is that you can have hope, that you can go back home. Jesus rose from the dead, so he trust his promise, and his promise is new life. We know we all mess up. I don't need to convince you of that. You don't need to go to church to hear that. You know that. So instead of trying to forgive yourself, instead of being afraid of God, instead of standing in the distance wishing you could come home, start walking. Better yet, start running as fast as you can away from rock bottom, away from the pigsty, and run toward God because he's waiting for you. Receive the grace of God that he wants to give you. And when he forgives you, you're free. You're free from your past. You're free from what he did. You're free from what she didn't do. You're free from the affair, the abortion, and the porn addiction. You're free from evil thoughts. You're free from the divorce. You're free from the guilt of your dad walking out and you thinking it was your fault. You're free from not being good enough as a man, as a father, as a husband. You're free. And so stop waiting and come back home. You need Freedom, you want freedom. Jesus died on a cross to pay the debt that our sin creates. He rose from the grave so that we can be free. This is why Easter matters. This is why Easter matters. This is why Easter is the most important day in history. It's more important than Christmas when Jesus was born. It's more important than Good Friday when Jesus died for us. Because the biggest claim Jesus made wasn't, I can heal you. It wasn't, you need to follow these religious rules. It was, they are going to kill me, but I promise I will come back for you. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 17. He told his disciples this. He said, the son of man, he's talking about himself. He says, the son of man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. He will be killed, but on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. And so on Good Friday, they killed him. They tortured him, and they executed him. But on Sunday morning, the third day, he conquered death. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him. They fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was lying, and now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. Jesus promised he would be betrayed He promised he would be executed. And then he promised that he would rise from the dead, and he did. And what that means is when he promised that we could be forgiven of our sins, when he promised us freedom, when he promised us hope, when he promised us that he would never leave us, when he promised us that he would never forsake us, when he told us that life would be hard, but then he promised that he would overcome. That means those promises are also true. That means when he promised us that we could turn back home, that God still loves us, that he rejoices when he sees us, that we can have a fresh start, those promises are true as well. That's why Easter matters. That's why we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. That's why today is the day that hope became real, because we can come back home because God is faithful, God can be trusted, God loves you, and God will do anything to let you know that, including sending his own son to die for you and raising him from the dead to prove it all to you. The resurrection means that you can go back home. It doesn't matter what your past looks like or your mess looks like. You don't have to have doubts and fears about turning toward God or turning back toward God. He's waiting for you, and he's ready to embrace you and your mess, just like the father embraced his son. What's really cool about that story is as the son came back, the father didn't ask his son to clean up first. The father didn't ask his son to pay the debt off first. He looked and smelled like a pigsty. He was unclean by Jewish standards. He was full of guilt and shame, and the father responded by embracing him and kissing him, mess and all. Growing up, I was obsessed with baseball, and it's still my favorite sport, and I watch every Orioles game I can, even though they are terrible. Uh, and as a kid, I used to take a bat and a ball, and I would toss it up in the air, and I would swing as hard as I could, and I would chase the ball down, and I would do this for hours. And I'd let my imagination go wild, so I wasn't just hitting a ball around the field behind my house. I would imagine that it was the bottom of the ninth, and my team was losing by three runs. And I would step up to the plate, and of course, bases would be loaded, and when I got up, there'd be two outs. There were always two outs. And the pitcher and I would be battling, and before I knew it, I'd have two strikes on me. My back would be against the wall, one out left, one pitch left, and I would step up to the plate, and in my imagination, I would crush the Grand Slam, and we would win the game. Right, The crowd would go nuts, I'd be the hero, and it was the baseball dream that so many of us had growing up. Last year, I was staying up late on a Sunday night watching the Nats and Cubs play, when this dream became a reality for a backup player named David Bodie. Continuing in the bottom of the ninth, the Cubs were down by three, there were two outs, eventually two strikes against him, and then this happened, let's check out the video. And I saw that I'm not even a Cubs fan. Like, yeah, Cubs fans, like, yes, yeah, we got a few of them here. Watching this, this gave me goosebumps, right? This is every little kid's dream a walk off Grand Slam. It was incredible. The next day, I was on Twitter um, and I came across this picture of the moment when he rounded third base. There's something really magical about this picture, there's something inspiring about this picture. And I can't help but think that that is what God looks like. And heaven looks like when one of his lost children come home. Too often we're afraid to turn back to God because we're afraid of his reaction. We're afraid of the reaction of other people. But it isn't the case at all. In fact, Jesus, before he told the parable of the prodigal son, he shared a parable about lost sheep being found. And this is what he said. He's talking to religious people and misfits. He says, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Listen, I don't know what you've gone through. I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what sin you have in your life. I don't know what brokenness you have in your life. I don't know what pain you have in your life. But I do know that whatever it is, it often feels like it's the bottom of the ninth, and there's two outs, and there's two strikes, and you're down by three, and you need a miracle to survive. But Easter is the reminder that miracles are real. And Jesus proved that when he was crucified on a cross, then rose from the grave three days later. So you may feel very low right now, you may be hurting, you may be desperate. You may feel alone, you may feel guilty, you may feel ashamed, you may feel broken. The question is, what do you do? I believe that you're here today not by accident, but because God cares for you. And maybe you've been waiting on God for a long time, but what about this? Maybe God is waiting on you to say yes to his grace, to his goodness, to his gift of eternal life through Jesus. Maybe he's waiting on you to come back home. I want to end with this. Um, This is something that Paul wrote. Paul, who was not a follower of Jesus, who persecuted Christians, God spoke to him, he changed his life forever. He came back to God. In Hebrews 12, he writes this about Easter, about this moment that we're celebrating right now. And he writes about Jesus when he says this. He says, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Please know this. The joy awaiting Jesus wasn't death. It wasn't bearing the weight of our sin. The joy awaiting Jesus was eternal life. It was people being reconciled. It was people being brought back to God. It was you. You are his joy. And because he loves you, he endured the cross. He disregarded the shame of sin that he would take on. And three days later, his joy was made complete when he resurrected from the dead so that you could come home, so that you could call on his name and be saved, forgiven, transformed. So it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how dark your life feels. When you put your face in Jesus, he will forgive your sins. He makes you better. It's your time to come back home. He'll meet you. He'll save you. He's here and he's waiting for you because he loves you. And no matter what you think, it's not too late to turn back. You're not too broken. He's begging you to come back home, to turn toward him. Let him give you life. Let him give you hope. Let him give you freedom. Let him give you grace, because you are his joy. Let's pray. God, we are, um, we're messed up people. God, we're broken people. Um, God, we've done things in our life that we're not proud of. We've had people do things to us in our life that we're not proud of. But, but God, even though we're messy and even though we're broken and even though uh, we're at rock bottom, God, we know that you're still waiting for us. God, that you're sitting on that porch every single night just hoping and praying that we come back home. God, you're not asking us to clean up our life first. You're not asking us to, to get rid of all the junk that we're going through. You're not asking us to be perfect. God, you want us, with our mess and all, to come back home. God, I, I pray for people here who are struggling with you, struggling with church, struggling with life. God, that today is a day where they turn back and they start to head your way. God, that they don't do it leisurely, but they start sprinting as far away from the life that they're living now and right into your arms so that you can give them grace, so that you can show them love, God, so that you can show them what hope in real life truly looks like. God, thank you that's who you are. God, that you hung out with misfits, you hung out with sinners, you ate with them. God, for us, that feels safe and that feels right because that's who we are. God, help us come back to you. Help us take that step today. God, we love you. pray these things in your name. Amen.